Reading from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, text 20. For the soul, there is neither birth nor death at any time. He has not come into being, nor does not come into being, and will not come into being. He is unborn, eternal, ever existing and primeval. He is not slain, but the body is slain. So in honor of Australian Day, I have been asked to speak on how we are not Australian. And we are not Indian. And we are not American. We're not this body, and we're also not the mind. So if we're not Australian, we're not Indian, and we're not the body, and we're not the mind, then the question may arise, well, who are we then? Who are we? Gita tells us we are something way beyond. We are the soul. The soul is who we are. So today, I'd like to discuss a bit about the soul and the difference between the soul and some of the misconceptions we have about who we are, who we actually are. So, this body is described as like a machine which covers the soul. The soul is, is just like an observer inside this machine of the body. And uh, although a self-realized soul may live in various material bodies while in this world experiencing their various qualities and functions, he's never entangled. So we have the verse. Yes, we do. Okay, there's the verse. All about the soul. We're going to learn something about ourselves today. Who we are. So, the self-realized soul, the liberated soul, he lives in the body just like the wind is never entangled. So, it's described later on in Shiva Bhagavatam how the things of this world we should see as our gurus. We can learn something. The wind is our guru. And if you go outside, you can see you can see how our guru is with us today. The wind is with us. So how is what can we learn from the wind? What can we learn from the wind? Although we experience the wind sometimes very sweet smelling, sometimes very foul smelling, but it doesn't change its actual nature. So the soul, sometimes it comes in contact with happy situations, sometimes with unhappy situations. But the soul remains the same. It's really not affected by these things. So the soul does not possess these, the different qualities that the body has. The soul is not Australian. The soul is eternally young, 16 years old. When you go to the spiritual world, then you, there, you will not experience any birth or death or disease or old age. But you'll be sweet 16, or even younger, sometimes younger. So you can see that 16 is a very wonderful age. If you see a child and you tell the child, um, oh, you, you look like you're 12 years old, 
And if the child is younger, he'll think, wow, yeah, that's a compliment. That's really good. And if you see a, somebody who is 30 and you say, wow, you look like 20, they'll say, oh, that's really good. <laughs> so it kind of goes the opposite scale. But under around 16 to 20, that's the ideal age. So in the spiritual world, that's our age. We are, we are no older than 16 years old. So from the wind, what do we learn from the wind? That the wind is carrying sometimes very sweet smells going over a rose garden. But then after carrying it for some time, the wind drops it. So the wind sometimes goes over a garbage dump, and after it carries the bad smell, it drops it. So soon we go through life. We go through some happiness, some happy times. But we should learn from the wind that, okay, now we've gone through it, let's drop it. And we also go through some distressful times, miserable times. But we should not keep it in our heart. We should, okay, let go, drop it, let it go. So this is one thing you learn from the wind, how to live in this world very detached. So what is the nature of the soul? We can also learn from the sky. You see the sky is there, our guru of sky. We can learn from the sky to be the observer. The sky is the background of everything. Sometimes hurricanes go through there. Sometimes it is bright sunshine. Sometimes there is wind, sometimes storms, sometimes rain. But the sky is unaffected. So the soul is like that. We are the observer. Sometimes hurricanes come through our life. Sometimes it's very peaceful and, and placid. So we should learn to be the observer and not to be entangled in these different things. So this, what is another quality of the soul is it doesn't change. The body is always changing. It's going through so many changes. We are, sometimes we are very young, like a small baby. And now I, I, I remember when I was, I think, five years old and I got lost in a in the store, away from my mother, and that was very fearful. So we, but I remember I was in that small body. But I'm the same person, even though I had a five-year-old body, now I have a seventy-year-old body. So what is that doesn't change? The body changed. I don't have the same body I did then, but the soul is the same. So that is who we are. So in this world, we don't feel happy. Why don't we feel happy? Because the world is upside down as compared to an upside down banyan tree. If somebody holds you upside down, you will not feel comfortable. So in this world, we're all upside down. But we can't be comfortable. We can't be comfortable. The real tree is in the spiritual world, where we live eternally, full of happiness and knowledge. So we feel uncomfortable also because we don't like change. We like to be eternal. We like to be ourselves. And so this chanting, what we experience tonight, this will help to discover who we really are, because it takes away all, the, as she was saying, we lose our anxiety, we lose all the bad things will go out, and we'll see who we really are, a beautiful soul, a beautiful soul. And so we go through changes in this life, we go through disease, everybody has experienced disease, we go through old age, you can ask everybody, will, most people will experience old age, will live to old age, it is not a very pleasant experience, but if you know you're the soul, then you can tell it. 
mentality. It's always only temporary. Temporary change of body. As uh, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, happiness and distress are just like winter and summer seasons, Arjuna. So you should learn to tolerate the seasons change. Now, you, you may be in the spring of your life, a young child, but then you go through summer and you go through, I don't know if you have monsoon here, and in India they have monsoon, and you go through fall and you go through winter. Now I'm in the winter of my life, but life doesn't, the seasons don't stop, they keep on going. So as long as we think that we are this body, we are this identity, part of this world, then we'll keep on going and going and going from spring to summer to fall to winter. But we, we don't like this change. We like to be eternal because that's our nature. It's against our nature to change our bodies like this. It's our nature to be eternally young. So how to find this nectar of immortality by chanting uh, Hare Krishna, by reading Bhagavad Gita, by reading, getting spiritual, feeding the soul. We must feed the soul. So death, death is also there. That's something that everybody has to experience. Um, so when the Bodhi's mother got Alzheimer's disease, Alzheimer's disease means you forget everything. And she even forgot who her son was. She, he was like a stranger to her. He didn't know this is my, my son. So her last words to him were, it was so nice to have met you. So that's the mother. Uh, but that's the truth, actually. That we actually meet up with different people in this life. But it's not eternal. It, uh, and we change our bodies, we change, at death we get another body, and we go through a whole other family, and we think, oh, this is my family. But actually, it's not. Our real eternal family, we do have our family in, in the spiritual world, eternal family with Krishna and with Krishna's associates. So, there's another analogy about how the soul and the body are connected. During the rainy season, there's clouds in the sky. So there's sometimes rain here at night. And the moon, you cannot see the moon because the clouds are covering the moon. So what happens is that the clouds, when they are covering the moon, there's light coming through the clouds. So then you can see the clouds also. So this, this body is compared to the clouds covering the moon, which is our soul. And the light of the soul is shining through this body, and that's why it's moving, that's why we're seeing, that's why we're acting in this world. So we cannot directly see the soul. We cannot see who the soul is, who we really are. But when we take our spiritual knowledge, then that, is, that knowledge, who we are, is gradually revealed to us. And we can understand who we are. There's also, uh, not only within this body, we are there, there is the super soul. There is the, the Lord is also in our heart, too. So when we discover who we are, we also discover the Lord in our heart, too. So one time, our spiritual master, Sri Prabhupada, was asked the question, why is there anything? Why is there anything? Why, why, why is this world here? Why is there anything? And he answered that the reason why everything exists is because of ananda, or happiness. Everyone wants love. 
Everyone wants happiness. So that is the purpose of life. How to find this happiness. And there is a spiritual way. There is a spiritual happiness. And that is to see the Supreme Lord by the chanting of Hare Krishna. And chanting and dancing and eating the spiritual food. Then we feed the soul. There is an analogy. There is an old fable in, in uh, America from the American Indians. They say, in, within our heart, there are two dogs fighting. One is a good dog, and one is a bad dog. There is a good dog inside of us, a spiritual dog, and there is a bad dog inside of us, a material dog, and they're fighting to control us. So how do you know which dog is going to win the battle? It's the dog you feed the most. You feed the spiritual dog, they'll win. Or if you feed the material dog, they'll win. So how to come to this spiritual, how to feed the spiritual dog, as we said, chanting, reading Bhagavad Gita, trying to cultivate that spark within yourself that is spiritual, that is you, the real you. Try to cultivate that. And then you will be happy. You will be actually happy. And so, our conception of life is according to our conditioning in this world. We don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. So just like a, a businessman, if he goes to the forest to look at the trees, he'll say, how much money can I get from cutting down these trees and selling them? If you see a young boy and girl, if they go to the, to the forest, they'll say, how can we enjoy here together? How can we make this a place of enjoyment for ourselves? If you see some yoga students, they'll say, oh, perfect place for meditation. And if you see a devotee, the devotee will say, oh, nice place for a temple. Let's make a temple. So according to how you see the world, that's how you understand things. Uh, but what is the reality is that actually everything is connected to spirit, to Krishna. And by chanting Hare Krishna, we make that connection to the spirit. So there's five basic conceptions of life, five goals of life that people have that's described in the scriptures. The first one is called Anamaya, and that means the goal of life is to eat. If you eat, you feel you're happy. That is the goal of life. And children, small children, small babies, they have this conception. If I just can eat at something, I'll be happy. So the way you can, can how, do, how do small babies, like two years old, one year old, how do they judge what something is they put it in their mouth? That's how they know what a thing is. Everything goes in the mouth. If it tastes good, then it's good. And if it doesn't taste good, then it's, it's rejected. So that's a very low conception, but some people don't grow out of that conception of life. They say, and the food is everything. Then the second level of uh, seeing things is to, if I can just survive, if I can get a nice place to live, if I can have enough food to eat, then that is the second level of seeing life. That is the second goal of life. Third level is the Adamai. That's the That is the mental level. That you think, oh, music, art, philosophy, this, these things, uh, you, you may be studying in the university also. You think this is the goal of life, to have a higher 
understanding of how things work in this world. And the fourth level is Vigyanamaya, and that's the level of soul. You say, okay, I am a spiritual being. How can I live as a spiritual being in this world? And the fifth, the highest level, is called Anandamaya. And that is when you realize what is the purpose of, of the soul is to serve Krishna. So my life should be dedicated to the service of Krishna because that is who we are in the spiritual world. We're servants of, of Krishna. Not only servants of Krishna, we can be friends of Krishna, we can be parents of Krishna, we can be wives of Krishna, we can be lovers of Krishna. So there are five different relationships in the spiritual world which uh, are part of Ananda Raya. So how to practice this? Uh, it is recommended there's four four different things you can give, you can use in Krishna's service. It's a verse in Bhagavatam, Pradhartha-viya-pravacha. These four things you can use, you can give. First is prana. You should give your life. You dedicate your whole life for following the spiritual path. But you may say, well, that's just too much to ask. I cannot give my whole life. All right. If you can't give your whole life, then you can give some donation for the cause. Give some money. But you may say, oh, well, I don't have money. I can't give my life and I don't have money. Okay, there's another option for you. Dia. You can give your intelligence. How to run things. How to manage things. How to help. Uh, plan events. But if you may, you may say, well, I can't give my life, I can't give my money, and I don't have any intelligence, there's still one thing left. You can give your words. You can chant Hare Krishna, you can sell books, you can also get other people to chant Hare Krishna. And so the preacher sees all living beings as part of Krishna. Prabhupada had that vision. And he engaged all of us somehow or other to serve Krishna. Even though we had no idea who is Krishna, but we loved our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada. One devotee, Brahmananda, in, in the beginning, he gave $5,000 to Srila Prabhupada. He gave his whole life savings in 1970, oh, six, no, 1966. 1966, he gave his whole life savings. And he was, and he was thinking, I, in return, I hope I get the three sets, three books of Srimad Bhagavatam. So he asked Prabhupada, um, could I have the Bhagavatam books? Here, here's the $5,000. And Prabhupada said, that will be extra. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he had to work hard to get the money for those, those three books. So yes, Prabhupada engaged all of our energy. He didn't leave anything uh, left to chance. So we need to take up this path of Anandamaya, the path of bliss, the path of happiness, by um, engaging ourselves, engaging our tongue in chanting, engaging our ears in hearing, engaging our eyes in seeing, our nose in smelling, our legs in dancing. And then we can perfect our lives and be happy even in this life, on the way to the spiritual world. So I'll stop here, uh, and if anybody has questions, you can ask at this point.
like the sun, we learn from the sun. So these are different lessons from our gurus of this world. 24 shiksha gurus are there. And the body is also our guru. How it's temporary. So we should tolerate. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah. How do we read Bhagavad Gita with love? The best thing is to read with other people. Don't read alone. And then you can get different ways of seeing the Gita. Because some people will be going through something a hard time in their life or something and, and it will speak to them and then they can relate it. Their experience with you. So you can read with love. You can read with, with love by by reading together with other devotees. And you get their perceptions, and you also get your perceptions of what you're reading and how it affects your life. Any other questions? Okay, all those you should have a